1: But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast.
2: Whenever you say something, other people react to it, taking my breath away. Aaron, Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kirk Herbstreet is Welcome on the in phone. Episode Here. five fifty-six of yeah. the podcast, yeah. you you America. "The America," the Sports yeah. Podcast. It is Wednesday, July thirteenth, two thousand twenty-two. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for another interview in what I'm dubbing long-form week here on the AirTour Sports Podcast. I am away on vacation, but listen, I'm a man of the people. The show doesn't stop just because I'm away. And so last week, in the lead-up to my vacation, I pre-recorded three interviews. Monday, I had Trey Wallace from Outkick.com. If you missed that, I really encourage you to check it out. Today, we have... Just one of the absolute rising stars in college college sports, media, whatever you want to call it, Josh Pate. Josh Pate runs the, or uh, he works for 24-7 Sports, he runs the Late Kick Show on YouTube and a podcast that is absolutely blown up. Over 100,000 subscribers, this guy is really one of the faces of college football media, I believe. And I'm privileged, I'm honored to, I've known Josh for about two, three, four years. We've never had him on the podcast, but I'm absolutely honored and privileged. We talked for about 25 minutes about his career, about college sports, about something that I, I, you know, I think I've been pretty good at, but I know that he is great at, which is the, 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 the differentiation between The leaders of college sports doing what's best for them versus the fans. I think Josh has a better pulse for the fans than anyone that I have ever seen. He is just great at what he does. It's not often that there are people in my business that I sit there and watch something they do or hear something they say and say, Darn it, I wish I had thought of it, but Josh Pate is that guy. So I do hope you enjoy this interview. I do hope you enjoy this episode. And a few things before we get to it. uh, First of all, make sure you're subscribed. Rate, review the show all that good stuff. Leave a comment uh, in the ratings. Uh, I, I've asked you to leave some questions, some th- some things that I could potentially use for future shows. Uh, a couple of you have done that already, so I appreciate your support. Uh, also, finally, most importantly, as I said with Trey Wallace, make sure to shoot Josh Pate a quick tweet after you listen to his interview. His Twitter handle is at LateKickJosh, and this is a guy that's extremely busy getting ready for SEC Media Days, getting ready to go on the road for 12, 13, 14 weeks a year with 24-7 Sports and CBS. He didn't have to take time out of his day to join the Aaron Torres Podcast, although I do think he enjoyed it. Um, but I want him to know how much we all as a community, as the Aaron Torres Pod community, appreciate his time. So it is now time for Josh Pate 24-7 Sports. Uh, make sure to tweet him at Late Kick Josh. Genuinely appreciate all of you guys listening, and I'll be back on Friday with my main man, John Phantom.
0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, guy, you know, I, I guess Josh Pate, uh, Late Kick podcast, Late Kick YouTube channel, I guess I got to know you, or at least started talking right around that COVID season, uh, and it just seems like like your career, the podcast, the show, everything has grown up since. Josh, what's going on, my man? How you doing?
3: Hey, I'm doing good. You notice a lot of people who previously hadn't spoken started talking around that COVID time, didn't they?
2: So you and I were, were talking about this off air the other day, and I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but um, you know, I listen, I'll say this, I know that in a lot of ways, my career kind of... Took off. It was, it was amazing, right? Because I think one thing, and we're going to get into everything that you do. One thing that you do so well is you speak for the college football fan that doesn't have a platform that doesn't have a voice. And it was funny to me, you know, I, I think to a degree I was doing that too. I, I was just frustrated because of a lot of the hypocrisy that was going on. But we talked about this the other day, man, is like the number of people that, you know, fill in the network, you know who they were that were quiet, that were quiet, that we're quiet, that we're saying all the right things, that we're saying this. And then all of a sudden, oh, the Big 10 Impact 12 were about to cancel the season. And you realize the impact that it's gonna have on kids' careers, communities, et cetera. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but uh, you know, I think it was when I realized that you and
1: I were kindred spirits.
3: Yeah, I was taking the tact of, let me keep my mouth shut, because obviously that thing had become politicized, well beyond politicized. And so it's just a, it's a no-win situation, no matter what people tell you. When you're in a front-facing position, especially at my time, because I was brand new at yeah. CBS 24-7, and we're trying to build a show about college football, the last thing I wanted to do was pollute it with non-football-related content. I was building late kicks specifically so you could come there and escape all this garbage. I, I never view it as my job to use my platform to educate you on my political opinion. That's stupid. But anyway... Where it crossed the line for me is what you just mentioned. When I realized that that politicization had infiltrated some of the decision-making and we were on the precipice of having people ruin a season that did not need to be ruined and just toss it in the wood chipper and, and not, even, not even fight for it. Like the Big Ten didn't even feel like they were gonna fight for it. That's when it was time to take a stand on it. And a lot of people did that. I did that. And all of a sudden you realized there were way more people than you previously realized that felt that way, which, you know, it kind of mirrors a lot of what you see in society. Uh, but again, I like my show to be an escape from all that. But I got to be careful with how I talk about this because it has to be properly contextualized. But as I told you the other day, when COVID happened, I know a lot of families, it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. I lost loved ones. So it hit me personally. I Trust me, I know good and well how big of a nightmare it was. If I'm talking strictly professionally, and I mean strictly professionally, that period of time was one of the biggest blessings in our industry only because it exposed people. And it sucked that it had to be that way, but it exposed a lot of people as fraudulent. It exposed a lot of people as leeching off of our sport instead of actively loving our sport. And it exposed a lot of people as even some cases, folks, I had given my time to and um, and my money and attention to in the past. And I realized, wait a second, uh, I need to do something about it. Uh, Let me let me build my own platform. And let me build a place where you can be educated and entertained and enlightened and informed on college football. But you also hear your thoughts and your heart reflected in my microphone instead of someone who clearly you share nothing in common with ideologically. So again, it was a terrible time, but it was also a beneficial time. Something good came out of something terrible on that front.
2: Well, I think the opposite could be said as well, is that it exposed people like yourself, people like myself, some others. I I can't remember everybody now, but the people that, that are in the same boat, the people that not only love this sport, but believe that we need to safely try and find a way to move forward because it not only impacts college football, but high school football, kids looking to get scholarships, kids looking to uh, you know, finish out their senior years, all that good stuff. So I don't want to get political too far off the top here, but uh, let me ask you, you know, I, I, I just mentioned it and I think you just spoke, you know, eloquently about, you know, your passion for the sport and, and kind of creating the safe space for it. You know, I've heard you do other interviews. I know you've said on your show many times, again, late kick with Josh Pate, you know, you grew up in Georgia. I assume, you know, growing up there, um, College football, e- even though maybe on a national scale, people are starting to realize that college football is a 365 day a year sport. As you say, there are there is no off-season. There are no off-days. Um, growing up in Georgia, I, I, I is it fair to assume college football was part of your everyday life growing up, and that is obviously what led to the passion that is now your full-time job?
3: It was always present. Even in the summertime, it was as present as humidity, for example, in the South. It's always there. It's always on the tip of your tongue. You will not get more than a few minutes into a conversation with any kind of acquaintance of yours before it comes up. And oftentimes when you're meeting a stranger, one of the first things that they want to feel out about you is your allegiance. So that's always there. The one thing that has changed is, as you said, it's been picked up more on a national level. It's one of the, it's one of the foundational elements of our show. I like to very much push the concept that you don't have to take a break from this. If you want to, that's fine. But if you don't want to, you don't have to stomach NBA or NHL if you don't feel like it just because there's no college football. You can rest assured you're going to get it from us. If you don't get it anywhere else, you will get it from us 24-7, 365. But the other thing that's happened, Aaron, and this is why there's no excuse for anyone to use the term offseason anymore, is the nature of the sport has changed, even above and beyond when I was younger to where nil and the transfer portal and the adjusted recruiting calendar not even to mention current conference expansion and whatnot it does make it a 12 year a 12 month a year sport it it does kind of put it in line with what the nfl has now it's not exactly as structured calendar wise as the nfl but we're sitting here in july right now as you and i talk media days are what like two weeks away and yet I told someone the other day, I feel like I was in Indianapolis for the national title game one month ago. I feel like it's that recent. I remember when I was a kid, we would get around this time, especially when the preview magazines would hit the newsstands, and it would feel like an eternity since the last time I saw football. And it would feel like these next 60 or 90 days or whenever it would be, we're going to go by so slow. And yet now I feel like the season just ended. I feel like our season coming up is right around the corner. I feel like I got so much to do and not enough time to do it. So uh, either time's starting to go by faster or the calendar really has become truncated.
2: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I, I you know, was hosting Fox Sports Radio over the weekend and I had this rant about how essentially every sport has become a 365 day a year sport. And part of it was some of the NBA stuff, but also, like you said, college football. I mean, Jordan Addison, what, like forget the realignment stuff. Jordan Addison was a national topic. You know, Caleb Williams trickled into whatever it was—I forget now—late February into March, maybe even. I can't remember when exactly he committed. Um, so it, it is amazing how the sport has grown. Let me ask you a question. You know, I—I I, you grew up in Georgia, and I, I've kind of heard you tell your story before, um, but you were kind of not in the sports space at all. When did you? first start to realize this could become a profession. And then one thing I've tried to do, so just so you know, Josh, I have a couple interviews running this week, uh, Trey Wallace and uh, my buddy John Fanta from Fox is kind of explain for young people that see you, that see Trey Wallace, that see whomever in a position that they want to be in someday, how you get there. And just from reading and learning a little bit about your background, it's a very non-traditional background. And so I know we don't have a ton of time, but for those who don't know how you ended up on 24 seven sports, Just take us to those beginning stages, because you're not somebody that went to school, at least that I know of for for broadcasting or for journalism. And you kind of forged your own path along the way, kind of creating your own opportunities.
3: Yeah. um, Non-traditional is the right way to phrase that. I would tell someone before I get into this, though, if you are listening and you do have a true passion, if you do have say what now?
2: No, no, no. Sometimes people ask me and I say, like, my path is so weird and bizarre that it's not replicable. So I always try to warn people, like, it's not that I don't want you to chase your dreams. It's just the path that I took will never be duplicated again. So I didn't know if that's where you were going. So I apologize if that's not. Where you're going. No, right. And it's not even
3: that I'm going to tell you don't don't try and replicate what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to actually tell you. If you came along 20 years ago, what I did would not be replicable because it wouldn't be possible yet. Uh, we live in a very, very interesting time in our particular industry. And so what I would say is the good news before I even tell you any of this is if you got a passion for it and you got enough God-given ability, it's there. Talent is actually one of the more overrated things in our business. You have to have a certain amount of it, but talent gets you nowhere. Um, you, you will find a whole lot more talented people than, than folks like us out there who are, who are long since fallen by the wayside. So what happened with me, was I was drifting in my 20s, really had no direction. Uh, I I loved some things. I knew I had some passion about some things, but I just, I didn't grow up poor. So I didn't have that kind of drive in me. I didn't grow up wealthy. So I was not born on third base. I was just kind of a, I I would say the lower rungs of the socioeconomic ladder, but certainly didn't grow up missing meals or anything like that. But I just didn't have direction. And it wasn't my parents' fault. I had a very good upbringing. I did not have uh, that purpose in me but I did love sports and I did have fascination with the sports broadcasting industry. Well, we fast forward a few years and this would have been the late 2000s. I'm I'm a few years out of high school and I'm just not doing anything, man. I'm in my early to mid twenties. And, uh, I think that timeline lines up anyway, I would, I would mess around sometimes and I would record myself on what was then at the infancy of YouTube. And I finally got a break. I finally badgered the program director at the local radio station there enough to where he let me come in and observe. That's all I wanted to do. I I had no aspiration. I had no dreams of being put on air, Uh, but one day his co-host was sick. And with about five minutes heads up, he just, he had no other option. He said, Hey, you want to sit in for him today? So I did, but I'll tell you what I had done the years before that I had driven around in my truck and I didn't know it at the time, but it was the best practice I ever got. I would just hit the mute button on the radio. And I would just simulate sports talk radio segments. For, for, for a couple of years, I did that. Thousands of hours of reps, probably. And so when I sat down in the radio studio that day, it sounded like I had done radio for two years. And after the show, the host asked me, where have you worked before? And I told him I'd never been in radio. It's the first time I've ever been on air, actually. And he thought I was lying to him because I sounded like I had. And so that ended up becoming a full-time job in sports talk radio there in Columbus, Georgia. And a couple of years later, I got a call out of the blue from a television general manager who worked at the local NBC affiliate there in Columbus. And he said, hey, my name's so-and-so. You've never met me. I do listen to your show every day on the way home. I've got an idea here. I want to do a weeknight college football show. Will you come do it for me? So I said, yeah, I'd never done TV, never been in a TV studio. I go and start doing it. I ended up also being the sports anchor there, then elevated to news anchor, doing all this at the time without a degree, by the way. And so I ended up finishing my college degree a little bit later, but I ended up coming up on a contract and I realized I was immensely blessed. These people were letting me use their studio to hone my craft and I had my own college football show, but you could only see it in the Columbus, Georgia TV market. And this is around the time where YouTube live and Facebook live became a thing. And the day I saw that was the day I knew the industry had changed for reasons I'll get into in a second. So I went to that general manager and the news director when my contract was up. And I said, I want to be able to do my own show on my own YouTube channel. They said, no, you can't do that. I mean, you know, we're paying you. So your content is what we own. And so I said, uh, well, if that's the case, then I'm just going to let my contract expire. And they were just bum fuzzled. They didn't know how to take that. And so the last day of my deal, they say, what do you want? I told them what I wanted again. And they said, well, we can't do that. How about this? How about we 1099 you, so you work as an independent contractor, stay on as our news anchor. In exchange, we will give you an hour of studio time, three nights a week. I took that, I got my own staff and crew, and we started Late Kick. We called it Late Kick then, just as we call it now, years later. And we started our own YouTube channel just as it looks years later, different channel, but it, it's the same name. And we started to do that show emanating out of a news studio down there in Columbus for three nights a week. What happened there was the big barriers that had always stood between someone like me ever doing something like that had been broken down. Overhead and distribution are the two things that always would have held you back. Overhead meaning you need those nice fancy studios to be able to broadcast out of but more importantly distribution is the name of the game it has been and always will be in our industry before the internet allowed you to stream these things on these platforms you had to have someone give you a syndication deal essentially if you wanted to broadcast nationally or you had to have a satellite feed and stations to put it on well now you just need the internet now you just need a phone and so That was the pair of barriers that got broken down. Two years later, Shannon Terry calls me from CBS 24-7, says, I want you to come work here. I want you to do what you're doing. I want you to do it for us. And I took the job. And in January of 2020, I started here. Uh, Fast forward two years, a little over two years. And I mean, um, by many metrics, we have the number one college football show in the country.
2: Indeed, indeed, indeed. Over 100, you know, congratulations. Just saw you broke 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. And um, obviously, your success in recent years speaks for itself. Was there a moment, uh, once you got to 24-7, was there a moment where you said, wow, like, I I think, you know, it sounds as though you always had a vision, especially after you kind of got the the studio space in Georgia. Um, Was there a moment where you realized, this thing is really blowing up. This thing is really taking off. I can tell you, I remember the first video that I saw of yours, and you might not even remember this. I think it was must've been right when you first started, but it was how Mario Cristobal had, like basically Chip Kelly had created the blueprint for Oregon football. And then Mario Cristobal took it to another level. And I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. It's unique. Um, it's not cookie cutter, like you'll see on, on, on the, the standard TV shows and it speaks again to the audience. Was there a moment where you realized like, like this thing's going, I knew, I knew this thing had potential, but it's blowing up in ways I couldn't imagine.
3: Um, I'll tell you when it was really for me. It's hard to know because the first year I didn't go to any games. I couldn't get out on the road because it was 2020. So it wasn't even worth going to games because you could, you had no access. And so we didn't get out on the road the first year. Now our numbers were even better than I thought they would be in the first year. But it was the following year. So this last football season, when I got out on the road and was recognized in like every airport and and rental car terminal and certainly every stadium, that took me a little off guard because I had no sense of, of how how many impressions our show had made, and uh, that was that just increased more and more as the weeks went on. And now it's pretty frequent to be recognized. It, it's not a it's not a sense of you know. in in vanity terms i'm glad i get recognized it's being glad that the show has made that big an impression but also like here's what's most fulfilling to me everybody who interacts with me virtually everybody when they come up and they they want to shake your hand or they want to talk to you for a couple of minutes they want to tell you what you just told me which is there's something different and unique about your show but the biggest compliment i can get is I feel like you are talking with me. Like, I feel like we know each other, even though we've never met until this very moment. And that goes back to one of the foundational principles of the show that I tried to bake in when I first started the show. And especially when I got here and I pitched the concept, I call it the Clearview concept. There's a place called Clearview Barbecue down in Columbus, Georgia. And I used to go there when I, when I would, I worked in a fabric warehouse back in the day and we would go there for lunch and it'd be me and a few buddies every day we would just talk about college football because that's, that's what we loved. And I remember thinking, I, I want to solo host this thing. I, it's the hardest thing in our industry to do, but if you can do it successfully, you're virtually irreplaceable. But I want to do it, here's the catch, in a way that feels like I'm talking with people instead of at them. I want the dynamic to feel no different than that lunch table at Clearview Barbecue. There's no reason it should sound any different. If you think you're skilled enough, and you claim you're a professional, you should be able to have a conversation with your audience, no matter if they're sitting in the studio or not. And so that's the, it's the thing that you try and work on every day. But when, when people started telling me that, that's when it kind of clicked with me.
1: that's chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Very good. Um, you know, we're both on a little bit of a tight schedule here. So a couple other things, you know, one, um, I know you you, you kind of teased on social media. You have some announcements coming, not going to ask you what those are, but what is your vision for the next step? I mean, I, as I just said, you broke hundred thousand followers or hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube as you said, by any tangible, not by any tangible measurement, but by many tangible measurements, the, the most successful uh, college football show anywhere that's available. Uh, what do you want to do? Like, like, how do you want to elevate this to another level and kind of keep building what you've already done and done an incredible job with in a short amount of time?
3: I want to make sure that we listen intently to the audience uh, and, and don't change anything just because we scale the show. But the next goal is to scale the show to heights the likes of which you've never seen a product like this scale. You know, you, we're still living in an era where digital media, or I would call it new media, are looked at in a different light and in a lesser light than your traditional legacy media types. And that won't be the case forever, but we're still, we're still in that world. I wanna be at the forefront, at least in the college football space, of the movement that changes that opinion, When you look at a show, it doesn't matter if it's emanating off YouTube live or wherever it feels as big, bigger, or at least as important, if not more important than anything you see on ESPN or any other network, Uh, because it's about the quality of content and not the method with which it's arriving to your eyeballs or ears. Uh, That's one of the goals. Uh, The next goal now that I've been able to fill out my staff here is I just want to do more things. I want it to be an entertainment hub for you. You know, I don't, I don't just want it to be somewhere you come to get college football. It will always be college football. We were not changing that. We're not deviating from that. But I want it to be well-rounded and flavored enough to where when you leave, you got your college football. But I mean, there was also a little anecdote here, there. It's just, it worked its way into your way of thinking. And you can't, you can't go through a day without making sure it's a part of it. That's what I want because all my favorite shows. That's how they feel to me. So I want our show to feel that way to our audience.
2: Last thing, um, you know, uh, I think a big theme of what we're discussing over the last few minutes is uh, is the idea that you know college football is you know you you set up your show as you said for the fans by the fans all that good stuff. There's a lot of negativity in college football right now in the future of college football. Uh, you know stuff that that I've discussed that you've discussed. Give me one or two things that you're excited about. Not the negative, not who's going to go where, not what about this realignment. Give me one or two things that you're excited about for the present, future college football, maybe specifically this upcoming 2022 season.
3: Well, you know, I, look, I'm excited about every season. So, so we could talk about the uniqueness of this particular yeah. season. And we could talk about storylines and whatnot. But just overall, I don't know... I don't know if people have realized this, but when you listen to the talk out there, yeah, there's a lot of change going on. But if you listen closer, even the people at the highest positions of power, they don't really sound sure of themselves, even though they're in the driver's seat. No one has a direct answer. Have you noticed that? No one says, oh, here's what's going to happen. Here's when it's going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. It's a bunch of, well, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, you know, we, we don't really know. Well, that's because they're telling you the truth. They don't know. It's a bunch of followers sitting around waiting for someone to lead. Now, sometimes what can happen is you can develop a strong enough voice to where if you're responsible with the way you use it, you actually can impact positive change on something. So what I'm excited to do, and part of the goal that we were just talking about a second ago to scale the show, I'm excited to see if we can use platforms like mine or like yours to actually amplify the voice that matters. The voice that matters has been and always will be the fans voice. That's not to placate anyone. That is, the, that is the stone cold truth. This sport does not exist. Those dollar figures do not exist. Those stadiums don't exist. And here's a hard truth. What the players do on the field doesn't matter if the fans don't care about it. That's why there's a difference between college football and water polo Mm -hmm. and so I look around right now and the last voice being taken into account is the fans voice even though that's the one ultimately that should carry the weight at the end of the day so what I'm excited to do is see how loud we can amplify that get as many people on the record as possible make them face that voice and then ask them what do you think about that how do you respond to that do you care about that is that at the forefront of your decision making
2: Fascinating stuff. Uh, Josh Pate, of course, the host of Late Kick with Josh Pate. You can follow him on Twitter at Late Kick Josh. My man, sometime, uh, you know, maybe next, uh, I almost said the O word, Uh, maybe next spring or summer we'll do this a little bit more. Uh, I know uh, as we get closer to the season, you're crazy busy, man, but I I genuinely appreciate the time. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. I don't know when it'll be, but... I hope you enjoy the last few days before media days, and uh, I know you'll be ready to go from there, man. I appreciate you.
3: Ready is the optimum word. I appreciate you having me on, my friend. Step
0: into the world of power, loyalty,
3: and luck. I'm
0: going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com.